like that. You want to try that. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this Friday edition of the Logan Blackman Show here on the Cedar Falls Podcast. I hope you all are having a great Friday because, of course, I am recording this on Friday, October 16th, which is weird. These past two shows have been recorded on the same day they're going to get released. We haven't done that since, like, the early portion of the summer, but now we're back in old habits because... We're running out of time in the evenings. And on Fridays, I don't have class. I don't have any class on Fridays. I have to work at 3, and right now it's 11.13. But other than that, I've got nothing to do on Fridays. And right now, I'm sitting in my room with a Logan Blackman Show sweatshirt, which is very comfortable, very soft, by the way. Uh, Some sweatpants and some slippers on because it is freaking cold in this house this morning. I, I, re- I read the, what do you call it, the, th- the thermostat this morning. It said it was 58 degrees in our house today. 58 degrees. And I'll tell you why. It's because we left, we had we watched Talladega Nights last night, which is a fantastic film. It was like, and it was weird. It was like the extended version. So there were some scenes in the movie last night that we were watching, and I was like, that's not in the movie. What kind of, what's, what type of Talladega Nights are we watching here? Like, the scene where Ricky Bubby goes to confront Jean Girard at his house the day before the Talladega race, you don't hear the guests talk at all in the movie. This one, they all talked. The two girls, the two guys, they all talked. And then when he takes them back and we need to talk and go by that little shrubbery thing or that's whatever, what do you want to call it? He, t- uh, Jean says that he wants to go train Komodo Dragons how to play Hamlet. Now, if you've seen Talladega Nights, you know that is not what he says in the movie, like the actual version. I don't know what, there were certain things, other scenes of the movie that were like, this isn't not, this isn't in the movie. This scene seems longer than what it normally is. So why are we, why is it getting played now? It was so confusing. The entire time we were watching the movie last night, I was sitting there like, oh God, what is? This scene's not in here. Am I, am I, and I was sitting there like, am I losing my mind? Because I'm, I'm confident these scenes either A, aren't in the movie or B, are longer versions of a scene in the movie. And Talladega Nights, the movie, is around like an hour, 40, 45 minutes. This movie that we watched last night was two hours long. So a nice 15, 20 minutes longer than the actual Talladega Nights. And that was throwing me through that was throwing me through a lot of loops last night. But when we were watching said movie, we had a window open because Steven, one of our roommates, uh, he's been in, and he's appeared in some Logan Blackman show videos, is a very hairy guy, just to put it lightly. So he needs, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm built for the cold. And it's, it was not warm at all <laughs> yesterday. It was a little chilly, nice little chill in the air yesterday. So we had the window open to accommodate Steven, even though Charlie and myself are not that hairy, which is weird because my legs are hairier than Steven's, but everywhere else he's got more hair than me, but my legs are hairier than him, which is weird. He's got the hairy, him and another kid we went to high school with, John, John Dolan, I don't know if he listens to the show, probably not, but 
those two are the two hairiest people I've ever met in my entire life. I don't know. They need to have like a a beard or back hair growing competition to to test who's the hairiest person that Logan knows. And then we can do host the an episode of the hair growing competition on the Logan Blackman show and I'll provide commentary for it. It will be fantastic. But yeah, uh it's cold in our house this morning. I've I've made sure all the windows are shut this morning. Which we did remember to shut the window last night before we went to bed because the other night we watched uh, the Wolf of Wall, East, the Wolf of Wall Street, which I've been getting made fun of this for this. Thursday night was the first, or uh, wait, no, today's Friday. Uh, Wednesday night was the first time I had ever watched the Wolf of Wall Street, and you can make fun of me for that all you want. I don't care. I've this was the first time I had ever seen the Wolf of Wall Street, and it was good. I enjoyed watching the movie. So we had back-to-back movie nights of The Wolf of Wall Street, and then, as as you do, a correct movie to follow The Wolf of Wall Street is Talladega Nights. And soon in the near future, we're going to watch Zoolander. Charlie and I made that executive decision last night after Talladega Nights. For those of you who don't know Charlie, he was in my Instagram video of blowing the Vuvuzela for the Logan Blackman show, like, we're back video thing. Like, another one of the we're back. We have a lot of their we're back videos, but... Yeah. So it's been a uh, chilly in the in the house for the past couple days it's obviously warmed up as the day goes on but it's uh it's it starts off cold (laughs) you wait i had to throw my quilt on my bed that my nana knitted me like years ago and i had to throw that on my bed this time around because it was actually so freaking cold but it kept me warm unless my arms were out of those (laughs) out of the covers last night i was freaking cold but other than that I was pretty comfortable sleeping last night. I'm one of those people that likes sleeping in the cold. I know that's more of a a normal thing to do. People usually sleep with fans on or windows open or the AC blasting or whatever. But those people who sleep with the hot air on, you guys are weird. And I don't like you. It's not, it's not, that's not comfortable. Yeah, I love waking up dripping with sweat. That was the one funny scene from Jack and Jill, the Adam Sandler movie. I said, like, there's movies that are out there that are like, man, I'm so glad I didn't see that in theaters. Or, man, I really regret seeing that in theaters. Jack and Jill follows, falls into both of those categories. If you did not see it in theaters, you are lucky you didn't see it in theaters. And if you saw it in theaters, like myself, you regret going to see it in the theater. Terrible. But Jill who is also played by Adam Sandler, which makes it even more hilarious, is wakes up in the middle of the, like, wakes up in the morning, and there's, like, a sweat outline of Jill in Adam Sandler's, oh, well, I guess they're both Adam Sandler, um, Jack's bed. That's what, that's what I think of when people say they like to sleep with the hot air on. You guys are gross. Grody people. Goodness gracious. But, yeah, cold air bros, let's... Let's go. I'm kind of sleeping with it, but if it's if I'm in the middle of the day, I'm cold or I'm waking up, I don't. I could have slept for so much longer than I did. I woke up around like 9.30 today and was just like, I, I want to still sleep. Because again, I got no classes on Fridays. I can stay in longer if I want to. But no, 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 no. Cold air wouldn't let me do that. It's cold this morning, but I got homework done this morning for my internship. I got some homework done for that. 
I got my cons class, my dimensions of well-being class also done. So we're feeling motivated today. We've done two homework assignments and now we are doing a podcast. So look at us. We're good. And this is also the first time that we have recorded a podcast like throughout a week in a very long time since the summer. Because the last show I recorded before October came was September 1st. It is October 16th right now, and we have successfully recorded four shows in a row. And now we're doing a little bit different of a strategy than what we did during the summer, because we're obviously doing only three shows a week now, because it's school. Uh, I can't afford to do the five shows a week thing, but they're all an hour, so I mean, you you are capable of listening to the Logan Blackman show. It's not two hours anymore. It's only an hour, okay? So make and this is also helps me out a ton. Not only does it help out you because now you have you can listen to the Logan Blackman show for a shorter amount of time, so you don't need to listen to me talk as long. But I don't need to write scripts anymore. <laughs> I have not written a script for the Logan Blackman show in well since the summer. <laughs> now that I'm doing only three days a week, it makes it pretty damn easy to write a Logan Blackman show or just talk about random things. We taught we've taught for nine minutes and twenty seconds about Talladega Nights having an extended version and how cold my house is. Bet you didn't know you were going to get that today when you turned on the Logan Blackman show. That's the beauty and the beast of the Logan Blackman show at the same time. The greatest show you've never listened to. So let's just go over what we're going to talk about today because obviously we're not going to end it here at 10 minutes and just say, yeah, we were talking about coldness and Talladega Nights and if you sleep with hot air on, you're freaking weird. No, we're going to actually talk about some informational things today. I know you don't get that a lot on the Logan Blackman show as well either. So today we're obviously going through all the college and football, college football and NFL stuff because we got games tomorrow. And by tomorrow, I actually mean Saturday because again, we're recording this on a Friday. Usually when I say tomorrow, I mean like I'm recording it on a Sunday and the show's going on a Monday. So Friday, show's going on a Friday, doing preview stuff and talk about some bigger things there and I've also got a tier list because of course it is Friday fun day we haven't done one of these in a very long time so I thought I'd throw out a tier list and it was kind of difficult to figure out what kind of tier list I wanted see this is the kind of stress levels I get put under working for myself on the Logan Blackman show we are not just an easy going podcast we it's stressful so If you're planning on getting an internship with the Logan Blackman show, I would recommend you get like military experience or something because we are no joke here. We do not, we do not take shit from anybody. We are boom. We are the the best show ever. We take everything super seriously. And if you do not give me a tier list that I enjoy, I'll be upset. But anyways, we are hiring, so let's get you can come and get some experience with the Logan Blackman show if you really want to. We've got a couple internships talk to intern. We're talking to some interns right now, so we'll, we'll get some people in there. We've also got co-hosts coming, which I think I'm going to mention every single show until he actually pops on. But if you're an intern looking for in, well, if you're a kid looking for an internship, work for the Logan Blackman show. It film me doing videos and making podcasts and doing stupid stuff or not stupid stuff because I'm totally a a normal guy and I do normal things I don't do stupid stuff that's not like me I don't do stupid stuff 
as I look around my room, I realize I have a lot of stupid stuff like a bouncy ball, a Vuvuzela, uh, two lightsabers, one Kylo Ren and the other one Anakin Skywalker. Um, I got a box of basically Fruit Loops that says Josh's Jacks on it. I got bobbleheads. I've got a football helmet, two football helmets. I got one of them on top of my lamp. So maybe stupid stuff. But we're going to talk about football today. Obviously, it's pretty much the whole basis of this show. And the tier list involves quarterbacks that were getting drafted and their um, their hype getting drafted. So I'll try to go backwards in time and try to remember some of these quarterbacks that when they got drafted, what was the hype like? around them and if I'm wrong whatever if I'm viewing them differently or how I viewed them it's just really how we should look at that yeah so how are you today yeah let's get into this um let's just start with the tiers. we're gonna do a top five dumbest next week if the show goes on like how we're <laughs> actually being consistent then we'll start doing the top five dumbest. Because I thought about it this morning when I woke up. I was like, uh, I don't have enough time to really like dive into a team. And I couldn't really figure out which team I wanted to do. I was stuck between the Cardinals, Chargers, and Giants. And I couldn't decide which one I wanted to do. Also throw the Lions in there as well. But if you go with teams like the Cardinals, Chargers, Giants, and Lions, you gotta have you got to put aside like three hours to look for their dumb things because there's so many and try to cut them down to five. It's not a very easy task to do. These are some of the worst run franchises. Well, no, not, not the Giants, not the Giants. But the Lions, Cardinals, and Chargers are some of the worst run franchises in NFL history. The Giants, on the other hand, are one of the greatest franchises in NFL history who are usually very well run. So we'll have to figure out what we want to do with that. But let's get right into the tier list before we forget about it. And, yeah, I think this should be a fun tier list. So the tiers that we got here today are... Elite, borderline elite, above average, average, and below average. This is a tier list. NFL quarterback prospects from 2016 to 2021 tier list maker. Yeah. So this is, what's the description say? NFL quarterbacks draft from 2016 eligible quarterbacks. Okay. So this was made a couple years ago. Uh, most like to build your team around for release for previously drafted the year are highly valued quarterbacks, whereas 2020 has a lot that could surprise. Uh, well, we're just going to go on this not as NFL players. Because obviously we got every quarterback on here, apart from like five or six, are currently in the NFL. So we're going to look at this as an overall prospect thing. This isn't going to be like, oh, we're going to take into account what their NFL career has panned out to be. Like if we put Josh Rosen... We're going to start with Josh Rosen, actually, because he's a perfect example of this. When he was getting drafted, he was considered pretty much a borderline elite prospect. That's how he was when he was getting drafted. We looked at Josh Rosen now when he's bounced around three different NFL teams. We'd probably put him below average. Okay, or is this looking... Uh, do we want to do it like that, or do we want to do how these guys have done in the NFL? No, we're going to do it as they're... How they when they got drafted, how they're looking, because again, there's like five or six people on this list. Like just for example, like Felipe Franks is on there, Adrian Martinez is on there, Kellen Mond is on there. Like there's a lot of quarterbacks on here that are not currently in the NFL. So we're gonna look at this from a prospect standpoint, 
And we're going to start with Rosen because we're going to throw him in the borderline elite category because that's where he was when he got drafted. Prior to the draft, I don't know if how many of you remember this, when he was getting drafted, he was usually, around mock drafts anyways, I shouldn't talk about everybody, but for mock drafts, he was talked about going second overall. He was never brought up as first, but he was usually the second quarterback taken in a lot of mock drafts. He was always going to the Jets. The Jets were a team that seemed like they wanted Josh Rosen. Or the Giants. The Giants were also uh, searching around Josh Rosen. They were also searching around Sam Darnold. Like all the quarterbacks the Giants were looking around. Eventually they obviously took Saquon. But they were looking at quarterbacks. Rosen was one that was linked with the Giants. uh, Linked with the Jets. I think he was linked with the Patriots a little bit as well. And then obviously the Cardinals. And... At the time, the only thing that knocked on him, there's was, well, was two things that knocked on him. He had a lot of injuries, like concussions, coming out of college, and not a lot of people liked his attitude, which is part of the reason why he has bounced around the NFL as he did. When you get drafted, which is something that every single football player in their life, starting from little kids upwards, wants to do, is get drafted in the NFL. That's the goal. And the NFL is one of the hardest leagues to get drafted in, let alone being a first-round draft pick. If you're drafted in the NFL, whether it's a first- or seventh-round pick, that is a massive, massive accomplishment. Now, if you're drafted in the seventh round, I think you'd rather just go undrafted so you can kind of choose your situation better. Like when Tony Romo, uh, when he was coming out, of college. He wasn't a combine thrower. He wasn't even really invited to the combine. He went undrafted and he had an opportunity to sign with the Broncos or the Colts or the Col- the Cowboys. He chose the Cowboys even though the Broncos offered him more money. Tony thought he had a better shot of starting in Dallas. So when you're a seventh when you're an undrafted player, you can choose your situations a little better. Kind of maybe ease the way in being a starting quarterback in the NFL. There's a lot of great great undrafted quarterbacks throughout NFL history. Like Warren Moon being one of the prime examples of that. Kurt Warner being another one of those examples. So a lot of great undrafted quarterbacks. And we're not going to go through the total list, but Josh Rosen was borderline elite. But when you get drafted 10th overall, don't go to the ultimate cocky route and go, there were nine mistakes taken in front of me. And you are worse than... Not just the four quarter, the three quarterbacks taken in front of you. You're worse than pretty much everybody those taken in the first round up until this point for NFL career trajectory. Obviously, you're a quarterback, so that a quarterback's career will be judged differently as opposed to say an offensive tackle. But at this point in time, he's not panned out. Hopefully, for his sake, which I don't really care if Josh Rosen pans out or not, because he was an absolute dickhead when he got drafted. If he does pan out in the NFL because I think he's talented. He's one of the most naturally gifted quarterbacks in this draft class, and that was one of the things that made him rise. He was the most ready to play, at least it seemed, out of all the quarterbacks. So if you look at Baker, Sam, Josh, and Lamar, he was the only one out of those four that was, and it looked out of the five that got drafted in the first round, that was seen as a plug-and-play guy right away. And the Cardinals obviously had Sam Bradford there, so you knew he was going to play right away because Bradford loves himself an injury. But yeah, Rosen was borderline elite when he got drafted. Let's just go with the rest of that 2016 or 2018 
draft class. Let's go with a uh, friend of the show, Sam Darnold. Uh, Darnold's quarterback, when he was coming out, he was elite. He was an elite prospect when he came out. Everybody and their mom, when he was getting drafted, said he is a can't-miss prospect. He is like Andrew Luck and John Elway. He is an elite prospect. If I have the number one overall pick, I'm taking Sam Darnold. That is what the hype was around Sam Darnold. And it has not panned out for him. Some has to do with Sam. The other has to do with the Jets. Because the Jets are an atrocity of an NFL franchise. Sam, he'll pro- I think he'll go to the Colts. The Colts and the Bears are the two teams I've heard him linked with the most. Both kind of make sense. I would rather him go to the Colts. Because I think he'd fit better in that system with the Colts, with Frank Reich and that off the line of the weapons and Jonathan Taylor back there. Everything he's never had in New Jersey is what he'd get in Indianapolis. An off the line, actually good weapons in T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman. And, um, crap, who's number 13? Who's their other wide receiver? He's on my IR. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not going to try and remember. And then Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines as running backs. Like, that's an upgrade from Bashad Perriman and Denzel Mims. That's an upgrade from the offensive line the Jets have tried to construct. And that's an upgrade on Frank Gore, sadly. Because Le'Veon Bell, for those of you who didn't know, went to the Chiefs last night. So he upgraded, <laughs> safe to say. But Sam Darnold was an elite prospect. Other quarterbacks in the 2018 draft class, we'll go with Josh last. Um, we're... They're not in order, which is the dumb part. So it's kind of hard for me to... Ch- they got names. Oh, Baker. Baker was seen as a borderline elite quarterback coming out of this draft class. He was similar to that of Rosen, where it was the character issues, quote-unquote, that would make him drop in the draft. Obviously, he went first overall. But at the time, he was not seen at the same level of Sam Darnold. And there was no quarterback in this draft class that was seen at the levels of Sam Darnold. Okay, so... Like, Sam had so much expectations placed on his shoulders before he even got drafted. It was ridiculous. Lamar Jackson. Now, this one, obviously, it's been well documented. He is the best quarterback out of this draft class. He is one of two unanimous MVPs in NFL history, the other one being the GOAT, Tom Brady. But when he was getting drafted, he was seen as an above-average quarterback. No one was, there were people, he almost fell out of the first round. I had him going around, if I remember correctly, I had him going to the Chargers at 17. I thought he'd be perfect for Anthony Lynn's offense. He was a guy that was a, a more of a running guy, but could also throw the football very well, as he did at Louisville. But he almost fell straight out of the first round. I remember talking to people that thought he should go in the third round. Like, no one thought Lamar Jackson, I mean, there's, if you looked at Lamar, you saw he was special. When you saw him at Louisville, you saw him dominate, and you saw him play great against Clemson. It wasn't like uh, like Derrick King. I love Derrick King. But is he going to get drafted in the first round? No. Because if you look back, Lamar Jackson had an amazing game against Clemson that they really should have won if the receiver actually got the first down or tried to get the first down instead of running out of bounds. Derrick King got absolutely obliterated against Clemson. And these when you were these smaller schools like Louisville. I'm not saying they're small schools, but compared to like like in comparison to the like national champions, I know Miami is not a small school. They've won natties. They're one of the most historic franchises in college football. 
But right now, when you're talking about playing against the big dogs, big dogs can, are considered Clemson, Bama, Georgia, those types of schools. They're competing consistently. Oklahoma, Ohio State, those are the big dogs. So for Miami, when Derrick King played, he struggled. Lamar Jackson against Clemson played very, very well. Almost won. Probably should have won. But he was considered an above-average quarterback coming out of college. And then the final one we're going to talk about is Joshua Patrick Allen. Um, obviously the Bills quarterback. Um, he was kind of teeter-tottering between elite, borderline elite and above-average. It averaged to below average. He literally went through every single category of this. This tier list is everything that Josh Allen was when he got drafted. <laughs> he was all of these tiers. Uh, mostly, you would see him go up to the first overall pick. You could see him go up there. I would throw him in the borderline elite when he was getting drafted. But he did divide... He divided opinions on this. This is the problem. He was literally seen as a guy the Browns were looking to draft, which turned out to be the Browns were trying to get the Bills to trade up with them for their fourth overall picks. Remember, the Browns had two first-round picks, both two top-five picks, I should say. And they were trying to get the Bills to trade up for Josh Allen. They obviously went with Baker, and the Jets went with Darnold. Brills tried to trade up with the Broncos. Broncos axed that trade because they wanted Bradley Chubb. They thought the Browns would take Bradley Chubb. They didn't. So the Broncos were like, no, Bills were not trading for you with you. So the Bills got to trade with the Bucks, And that eventually saved the Bills two first-round picks. And they used the second one to draft Tremaine Edmonds, who's now a captain of the defense. Same with Josh, captain of the offense. So I don't really know where to put Josh on this list. We'll stick him in borderline elite right now because he was talked about as a number one overall pick. Or do we even throw Baker in borderline elite? Because I think a lot of people had him around the above average. Okay, well, we'll adjust this as we move along. Let's go to this year's draft. Joe Burrow, he was seen as an elite prospect. Not last year, he wasn't seen as an elite prospect. This year, he was seen as a can't-miss elite prospect when you saw what he did at LSU last year. Uh, sticking in this... Okay, we got the the spinning wheel. Okay, now it's gone. Uh, Tua. Where's Tua at? Discounting the hip injury, he was considered an elite prospect. This dude was... A, he is an elite prospect. Everybody wanted Tua. The Dolphins literally had the tank for Tua thing, and it worked out beautifully for him this year because they didn't do a good job with their tank. They won five games. That's the anti-tank. But two, they got Tua. They got their guy. In a normal year without him with his hip injury, he would have been talked about with Joe Burrow as the number one overall pick. But with his hip injury, it dropped him a little bit. But he's still he was still an elite prospect. Now we got another quarterback to go in the elite prospect. Trevor Lawrence. Um, Yeah, he's a can't-miss prospect. He is going number one overall. Whether that's to the Jets, whether that's to the Giants, whether that's to the Washington football team, whether that's whoever will have the number, the Jaguars, whoever has the number one overall pick, he will go there. Whether they trade back out of the number one overall spot, like the Chargers did when they drafted LaDainian Tomlinson instead of drafting Michael Vick, he will go number one. When Vick got drafted in 2001, everybody and their mom knew Michael Vick was going number one overall. But it wasn't to the team that had the number one overall pick was the San Diego Chargers. They traded back with the Falcons to draft fifth. 
took LT, and then took Drew Brees the first pick of the second round. Like, that, good lord. That's like the perfect draft for the Chargers. Falcons obviously got a transcendent talent in Michael Vick, though a lot shorter than what most fans expected. And the Chargers got a future NFL MVP and two first ballot Hall of Famers. So, I say the Chargers won that, but Trevor Lawrence will go number one overall. I think that's set in stone. And I just saw Trevor Lawrence scroll across the bottom. But now we'll go back to the 2020 NFL Draft class. Justin Herbert, uh, for most people, he was just seen as an above-average quarterback. He was someone that teeter-tottered around the top 10 because of necessity, more not so much of his actual skill talent, skill levels, much like a guy we'll talk about later in this pick. Um, and I'm pretty sure if you've listened to the show, you'll have a good general idea who I'm talking about. But Herbert, there were some people that thought he'd go in the 20s. But there were teams in the top 10 or around the top 10 that needed quarterbacks. So they were like, we got to move on Justin Herbert. And the same thing can be said for Jordan Love, who I think was just considered an average prospect by a lot of people. Because he didn't really do a lot his last year at Utah State. He performed great his sophomore year, but had a really down year his junior year because of the fact he lost a lot of people and was trying to force a lot of throws. So that was a little issue Jordan Love dealt with. But talent-wise, arm talent, athletic ability, very similar to that of Patty Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers, who now he is the backup quarterback for. But Justin Herbert and Jordan Love... We're not really seen as Jordan Love teeter. Both of those guys teeter tottered around the top ten to top twenty to second round day, second day draft picks. But eventually, obviously, both of them got taken in the first round. I thought the Saints would take Jordan Love. Obviously, the Packers took him. Uh, but yeah, I think that's where they were when you look at what how people were grading them. That's pretty much. Where we could probably move up Jordan Love to above average. We might do that towards the end. But right now, nah. Uh, Sticking in there, we're not going to talk a lot about these two. The two former Georgia quarterbacks, Jake Fromm and Jacob Eason, uh, below average. Eason, at times, was talked about a late first-round draft pick. Eventually got drafted in, I think, the fourth round. Uh, Yeah, he was just a below average guy. And then... Let's, let's just throw a bunch of people but below average. Brian Lewerke from Mich- Michigan State. I've never really been a fan of Brian Lewerke. Um, Shea Patterson, another below average quarterback, gradually got worse and worse as his college career progressed. Uh, Kelly Bryant, former Clemson guy, now was then at Missouri, below average. Felipe Franks, below average, now at Arkansas, formerly of Florida. Lost his job to Kyle Trask. Now, Kyle Trask is going to be talked about as his first or second round pick this upcoming draft. Jake Bentley, another below average quarterback um, or below average draft prospect. Nate Stanley, I know got a lot of Iowa people. I'm an Iowa fan, but he's, I wouldn't draft him. Uh, Mason Fine from North Texas, I believe, uh, below average again. Uh, Tate Martell, uh, below average. Like, we're not even. There's not even much to talk about with these guys. Steven Montez from Colorado, same thing. Uh, James Blackman, uh, my cousin, below average. You can maybe throw him up an average if you wanted to, but he struggled at UNC. And then Adrian Martinez, again, a below average quarterback prospect. Maybe he balls out this year, but if we're talking about right now, 
with all the hype that surrounded him throughout his Nebraska career, below average. Mackenzie Milton, I think, is the most talented out of the below average quarterbacks, but he had that horrendous leg break a few years ago, so now his quarterback starting job is up in the air with uh, Dylan Gabriel there. So I don't know if he'll get drafted at all. Now we've got quarterbacks that are either A, in the NFL, or are actual prospects that are getting talked about a little bit. So let's start at the top. Deshaun Watson, um, he was considered above average to borderline elite because of the fact he was coming off an ACL tear, or had ACL tears. He wasn't coming off one. He was coming off a national championship and another Heisman Trophy finalist appearance. He was more, I don't, would you throw, I'd throw him in the borderline elite. He was my number one quarterback when I was doing mock draft. Because that was obviously, or not, I guess you probably wouldn't know this unless you've been listening to Logan Blackman show for a while or have known me for a while. That was my first draft that I did mock drafts for. It was the Deshaun Watson, Trubisky, Mahomes draft. That was my first mock draft I did. And speaking of Mitchell Trubisky, he was seen as above average. And do you, do you draft above average guys as number two overall? Generally, that's a strategy that I tend to stay away from, drafting above average guys at the second overall pick in the draft. When you got a guy who we just mentioned as borderline elite taken above him, yeah, Trubisky uh, had, he's similar to that of Dwayne Haskins. And we've talked about the comparisons between Dwayne Haskins and Mitchell Trubisky on the show before. Trubisky played one year at UNC. Haskins played one year at Ohio State. Obviously, Haskins had more success at Ohio State as opposed to Mitchell Trubisky in North Carolina, but both put up amazing numbers for that one year. Trubisky, though, came from a pro-style offense and pro-style system, so that got him a lot of plaudits when it came to the draft. I talked about Trubisky quite a bit in that year because of what he was doing at North Carolina. Because there were some people that were talking about, like, oh, who's Dark Horse Heisman's? And Trubisky's name would get popped up a lot because he was having good numbers at North Carolina, putting up good numbers at UNC. Obviously, his confidence completely shot, so now he is just back to average. But at the time, he was seen as above average. And I remember the Browns, were actually they were entertaining the thought of drafting him number two over number one overall. It was between him and Miles Garrett. And if you watch back of that draft, you could see <laughs> Mike Mayock say, "Do the smart thing, take Garrett," because that was actually a big thing that was getting talked about during that draft. Was drafting Trubisky number one overall, which is what eventually led the Bears to trade up to number two because the Browns obviously had the second draft pick in the first round which turned into Deshaun Watson because they traded back and drafted Deshaun Kaiser instead. We've talked about this on Top 5 Dumbest. Uh, go back and listen to that one if you want to hear more of Top 5 Dumbest things the Cleveland Browns have ever done. That was the first one we did. Um, but yeah, Trubisky was just above average. Uh, the next one, uh, the best quarterback in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, uh, pretty much was seen as a above average quarterback to borderline elite quarterback he was not seen as an elite prospect when he was coming out of college he was according to a lot of people the third quarterback in this draft obviously went second overall his talent was absolutely insane but much like Jordan Love to a lesser extent than Jordan Love tried to force balls tried to make too many plays but 
it didn't hurt him as bad as, say, Jordan Love did when he got drafted this year. But Mahomes is also uh, coming off a wrist injury, which was something that scared a couple teams away. So if you had an established starting quarterback like the Kansas City Chiefs did with Alex Smith, you draft him. But that scared a lot of teams away. Apparently the Bears were told Mahomes that he was their number one quarterback on their draft board before obviously taking Mitchell Trubisky. You could you could rotate him between above average to borderline elite. Again, we're not doing this as the current player. Okay, if you're listening to this, it goes, Logan, Patrick Mahomes is not borderline elite. He is an elite quarterback. Well, yeah, duh. He's the best quarterback in the league. Like, Russell Wilson will probably win the MVP this year. And good on him. He's never received an MVP vote in his entire career, which is a crying shame. But I remember hearing Charles Barkley say this. And you could take you can you can bash Charles Barkley all you want for some of the stuff he said and how you don't maybe not take him seriously when it comes to these kind of things. But Charles Barkley once said when he won the MVP, that did not make him a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. Just because he won the MVP does not mean he's better than Jordan. Just because Russell Wilson wins the MVP this year does not mean he's a better overall quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. And I love Russell Wilson. Mr. Unlimited. I love Russell Wilson. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL. When I was at William Penn, I was on the Russell Wilson MVP train. Obviously, Mahomes won it. Eventually, not when I was at William Penn. But Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. And I'm not really... I'm not, it's not a hill I'm planning to die on. I don't really care that much about Patrick Mahomes. I like him. Seems like a really good dude. He's extremely fun to watch when he plays for the Chiefs, so I have a natural hate for him. But I'm not going to die on the hill and go, if you say Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL, I'm not going to fight you on it, especially if you say Josh Allen's the best quarterback in the NFL. Ah, oh, man. Other quarterbacks from that draft class from Mahomes? It doesn't look like it. Let's keep moving on. Um... Go back to the 2020 NFL draft. Who else we got on here for the 2020 draft? And we got one more. Jalen Hurts, yeah, not much to talk about. He was just seen as an average quarterback. Um, put up good numbers in his last year at Oklahoma. I think if he didn't go to Oklahoma and turn more into a passer, he might have been slipping to like the fifth or sixth round. But he put up really good passing numbers and really, he just put up really good numbers at Oklahoma. Saw him get a seat on the Heisman finalist. So like, but he's just an average quarterback. And he'll will the Eagles eventually pull Carson Wentz for Jalen Hurts? I don't know. I don't think they should. But you know what? It's not for me to judge. I'm not an Eagles fan. I could care less what the Eagles do. So I would put him in average. You might argue that, oh, he was not seen as the same level as Jordan Love. So we could probably move Jordan Love up to above average. Uh, we'll think about it towards the end. Um who are some other quarterbacks that we haven't created yet there? Oh, we got oh Justin Fields. At this point in time, most people are considering Justin Fields borderline elite. Uh, he's not elite as a prospect yet, but I think a lot of people are considering him be borderline elite. He'll be in the running for the Heisman once he and Ohio State actually play, which is next week, which Big Ten football kicks off next week, so I'm very excited for that. Uh, Iowa State's on a bye. Iowa doesn't play this week, and UNI doesn't play. So if you want to watch some Division One football, you're gonna to have to turn your attention to NAIA Division One. I'm sorry because there's no Division One football in the state of Iowa going on right now. Uh, but yeah, Justin Fields is definitely 
up there. Uh, to Eric King, um, they're probably below average. I don't know. We'll see how he does for the rest of the season. But again, like KJ Costello, another one immobile quarterback. He's not going to get drafted very high. He could throw for 5 million yards at Mississippi State. And even going, he got benched at Stanford last year. Like, he, if you get benched, now obviously he could turn around like Joe Burrow. Because Joe Burrow lost the starting job to Dwayne Haskins, who we'll talk about in a little bit. But, yeah, uh, Dylan McCaffrey, another one below average. I mean, he's played meaningless snaps in college football. He Basically in uh, relief of when Shea Patterson was sucking ass. So, yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> and Ian Book um, and Kellen Mond, I'm not really hearing anything about them being high draft picks. So, at least right now, this is just what we're doing right now. Ian Book, Kellen Mond, just because I haven't heard a single thing about them being drafted, I think Book has a better shot at getting drafted higher than Mond, at least if I'm basing it on right now. But again, I'm not a draft quote-unquote expert. I talk the draft a lot. I follow the draft intensively, but I would not consider myself an expert because I don't have anybody to talk to. It's literally just what I'm looking up on social media and the, the world of Google, but other than that, I don't... Yeah, oh, Sam Ellinger. Um, I don't know. Is he an average draft pick? He's Sam Ellinger uh, is a similar quarterback for me as Jalen Hurts. They are like one of the same quarterback, and that's ironic because one went to Texas, one went to Oklahoma, and they're intense rival schools. But Ellinger and Hurts are... The same style of quarterback. They're pretty much the exact same. They're inconsistent throwing the ball. They're big physical guys that like to run quarterback draws and run people over. And they're winners. That's I mean, Sam Ellinger at Texas. Yes, Texas is not back. And Texas is just tiddling on, uh, is that even a word? Uh, on good, let alone just being bang average. But he always has shown up in the clutch situations. He's sucked or been not great through the first three quarters, but shows up in the fourth. You saw that against Texas Tech, and you saw that against Oklahoma last weekend. Like, it's in there two weeks. Was it last weekend? Yeah, last weekend. Now, I wouldn't draft him because of his inconsistencies passing the football. But if you want a guy that can kind of, he's very similar body type to that of Tebow as well, better, I think. He's a better passer than Tebow, but again, that's not really saying a lot. But Tebow, Hurts, Ellinger, they're all the same style of quarterback for me. I think Ellinger could go up to like the third round eventually, maybe even sneak into the second round, but he's not someone that I would use a first-round pick on. Uh, Drew Locke from Missouri, um, he's obviously a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, A lot of people, when he was getting drafted, we're calling him basically Jay Cutler with a brain, which is a pretty a discredit to Jay Cutler because Jay Cutler obviously went to Vanderbilt, who regards themselves as the Vivy school of the SEC. Jay Cutler's smart. I just don't think he cared. <laughs> There's Those are not two of the same things. You can have a brain and be smart but not care. Like It doesn't take not having a brain to not care. I think Drew Locke has more fun. Then Jay Cutler, I think Jay Cutler is a, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the NFL, or was in this 21st century. I don't think there's a lot of quarterbacks that are more talented. And saying talented 
saying someone is talented is not the same as saying someone is good. Like Jay Cutler, there's a lot of quarterbacks that are better quarterbacks than Jay Cutler, but there's not a lot of better quarterbacks that are more talented than Jay Cutler. But the things Jay Cutler could do when his mind was on it, or if he actually showed a little bit of passion or cared for it, he would have been awesome. He would have been a Hall of Famer. Now, people have also compared uh, Jay Cutler to the likes of Jeff George. For those of you who don't know who Jeff George is, a very uber-talented quarterback, but could care less, had a lot of character issues. Uh, number one overall pick from Illinois, went to the Colts, bounced around the NFL like the Falcons, um, the Redskins, when they were called the Redskins. Um, who other, What are the teams that Jeff George play for? I can't remember, but he had a sick mustache. He was a, cre- a gross-looking dude. But had all the talent in the world, but he, unlike Cutler, see, we're comparing all these quarterbacks to Cutler. Cutler's the middle guy, and the ends are Jeff George and Drew Locke, okay? That's that's the hierarchy that we got going on here. Jeff George had all the talent in the world, had really iffy character issues, was kind of considered locker room cancer. Jay Cutler, in the middle, is more is one of the most talented quarterbacks of the 21st century, but had issues caring, not really being a locker room cancer. He's just a, Jay Cutler's an introvert, which doesn't work in NFL locker rooms if you were going to be the face of a franchise. Jay Cutler's introverted, didn't really have, didn't really look like he wanted to be an NFL quarterback, but just was because he was the most, one of the most talented guys in the league. And then Drew Locke, talented, looks like he has a lot of fun, looks like a great teammate, looks like he cares. He's very, from what you can tell, he's very extroverted. So there's our hierarchy right there, like our line. George, Cutler, Locke. And Locke, Locke was seen as just an average quarterback coming out of college. Kyler Murray, uh, borderline elite for Kyler Murray. The thing that's keeping him out of elite category, because obviously, in my opinion, he is the best quarterback to play under Lincoln Riley. I think there's things Kyler Murray could do that none of the other quarterbacks he's had, Rattler, Hurts, or Mayfield, could do. I think Mayfield is a rival at second. He's been to three Heisman ceremonies and won a Heisman. First, what was second, first or second walk on to win a Heisman. Um, but Murray was so close to being elite, but he was 5'10 and 1'8. That is the closest you can get to 5'9 without actually being 5'9. But obviously, Kyler Murray has gone on, uh, one rookie of the year, and is now playing for a 3-2 and two Cardinals team that looks good. We've talked about this a lot on the Logan Blam Show. We said this last year, even when the Cardinals were losing, the Cardinals are not that far off. They're not, and they're proving that this year. 3-2, and two, I mean, they beat not great teams, but it lost to some not great teams, but they're almost there. Need some more work on the defense. I think offensively they'll get that figured out soon because that's just what Cliff Kingsbury does. But again, defense is going to need some work. But like we said with the offense, that's what Cliff Kingsbury does. That's what Cliff Kingsbury does. Doesn't put forward a defense. You see that with most air raid systems in college football, let alone the NFL. So they're going to have going to be fun trying to hire some uh, defense or get some defensive guys on that team. Uh, next one we got on here, Dak Prescott. He was just seen as an average quarterback. He's similar to that of, again, he's a guy we could throw in there with the Sam Ellingers, Jalen Hurts, and Tim Tebow's of the world. For a physical guy, that was just an iffy passer in college. Now, Jalen, or, um, Dak Prescott, 
he won at Miss at Mississippi State. It's easy to win at Oklahoma, Texas, and that then Florida. It's not easy to win games at Mississippi State. They were number one in the country. Like, that is absolutely ridiculous. Mississippi State was number one team in the country. Dak Prescott was the main reason for that. He was awesome at Mississippi State. And I hope, you know, from what it sounds like with his ankle, sounds like he's going to get a full recovery. But he was just seen as an average quarterback. I think he had something with drunk driving or something like that when he was coming out, which kind of pushed some people away. But... I can't necessarily remember. I'm trying to do this all off my off my my memory, but I think I would just I think most people are kind of considering him in the average category to almost below average. He's a fourth round draft pick. It wasn't like he was a massively high draft pick, but you might even consider throwing him in the below average category from where he got drafted. It's like we threw Tom Brady in the below average category. Uh. Next one on this list, where do we want to go? Let's go with the closer draft. So we got two quarterbacks from the 2019 draft and two quarterbacks from the 2016 draft. 2015? I can't remember what draft they're from, but you should know if the same the years. And these three these four have been linked to one another. And not just because three of them are in the same division. But they're going to be linked together forever. And those quarterbacks are Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones, and Jared Goff, and Carson Wentz. Linked forever. The controversy on who's going to get drafted first. Let's start with Jones, though. Daniel Jones was seen as an average quarterback. Which, much like Trubisky, you don't draft average quarterbacks at sixth overall. That's not what you do. You don't draft those kind of guys at the sixth overall spot. You look at the guys I've got in this average category. One of them was drafted in the first round. And now we add in Daniel Jones. Jordan Love almost fell out of the first round. Daniel Jones was the sixth overall pick in the draft. Didn't do anything spectacular, but he fit in what the Giants were wanting to do. And again, we've talked about this before. I did. There was a point where I realized the Giants were not drafting Dwayne Haskins. The quarterback they were going to draft was Daniel Jones. I did not think they'd take him sixth overall. I heard a rumor the day of the draft. I was sitting on the toilet and got a rumor from Colin Coward that said the Giants. I don't remember. Someone was on his show that said the Giants get ready for the Giants to take Daniel Jones sixth overall. And I was like, oh, I don't believe that. And then it actually happened. So you had a guy like Josh Allen there, the Jaguars' Josh Allen, the outside linebacker. You got to take him with the Giants were in desperate need of an edge rusher, and they didn't get one. They got Daniel Jones instead. Dwayne Haskins, um, he was kind of seen of above average to borderline elite. Uh, we'll throw him in above average right now because obviously he went 15th overall. Um, but he was—he obviously put up godly numbers at Ohio State his one year in college. That was the main thing. He played one year in college. And he put he broke almost every key passing record for a first-year starter at Ohio State. And broke Drew Brees' record. I think he holds the record for most passing yards in a Big Ten season, which is ridiculous for a guy starting his first year. Obviously, it has not worked out for him in the nation's capital. So he'll be on the move, one would suspect, at the end of this season as they've already demoted him from starter to third string in a span of a week. Uh, yeah, he was just seen as av- above average. to He was around borderline elite because there's some people linking him with the third overall pick. With the I had uh, the Washington, then Redskins, trading up to third with the Jets because the Jets were talking about uh, trading back because they had the least number of draft picks 
in the said draft. But they ended up not. They drafted Quentin Williams, who looks like, if we're talking about trades, is looking like he's going to get traded as well because he sucks. And he was another one of those one-year wonders at Alabama. Dwayne Haskins is another one of those similar persons. You could throw him at borderline elite if you wanted to. Um, but yeah, and then the final two, Carson Wentz and Goff. Um, I would throw Carson Wentz. Oh, he kind of teetered between borderline elite and average because people are scared because you're drafting an FCS guy. I'll throw him in borderline elite. And then Jared Goff coming out uh, above average. There wasn't a lot of things. They like... If you remember, Jared Goff wasn't like, oh my god, you got to draft this guy. It was like, this team needs a quarterback. Which one are they going to take first overall? It wasn't like, oh man, you got to trade up to get this guy. Which I think the Rams eventually did trade up, but just because they desperately needed a new face of the franchise moving out to Los Angeles. Because that was their year they were moving from St. Louis to Los Angeles, was that draft. So obviously getting a new face of the franchise was key in that regard. And they obviously had um, Case Keenum and Sean Mannion there. Jared Goff didn't even dress his first game. They, they literally did not dress him with Jeff Fisher there. Now he's turned into a pretty good, I mean, what? Would you probably call him above average quarterback in the NFL? And then Carson Wentz, um, again, you can throw him in borderline elite or av- above average. It was kind of like stuck in the middle of both. But I think fine with borderline elite. We'll keep a... Because it's really, the FCS thing kind of scared people off a little bit. I'm surprised Trey Lance isn't on here, but I guess this tier list was made. It says 2016 to 2019 and then futures. This was made a little bit ago, so uh, I'm going to suspect they didn't even know who Trey Lance was at the time. Um, But yeah, they got Dwayne Justin Fields in Ohio State practice uniform, so that's how well this list is, like how old this list is. So that's the tier list done. Um, again, this is ranking quarterbacks on what their prospect ranking was, not necessarily how they've been in the NFL. This is just where people, the national audience pretty much rated these guys. It's not even where I rated them. It's where most people rated these guys coming out of college. So we'll start off reading through this again in the elite category. Sam Darnold, Joe Burrow, Tua, and Trevor Lawrence. I think all of those guys were considered or are considered elite prospects everybody in there like everybody was saying Sam Darnold can't miss prospect Colin Coward literally said he compares to Andrew Luck and John Elway of can't miss prospects franchise changing prospects uh borderline elite Rosen Mayfield um I'm gonna move Mayfield down he wasn't really seen as an elite quarter borderline elite quarterback coming out even though he got drafted first overall Josh, again, Josh Allen touches every single one of these categories, but I would say he was, for a lot of people, he was considered the second best quarterback coming out because of this, the talent that he had, like with his arm and stuff. It was him, Darnold, the, the, when I was doing this, I remember reading back or looking at uh, quarterback rankings. This was when I was at William Penn. This was my sophomore year at Penn when this draft was going on. It was Darnold, then Josh Allen, then Rosen, then Mayfield, then Lamar. That was the rankings that I tended to see the most coming out of that draft class. Because Lamar, if you watch the draft and they did their little like preview thing, like the, Lamar wasn't even in it. They were talking about which of the four quarterbacks could take change your franchise. It wasn't even like Lamar, who is the best out of this class. 
which is weird. But borderline elite again: Rosen, Allen, Deshaun Watson, Justin Fields, Kyler Murray, and then Carson. Um, do I throw Carson Wentz down? I we'll we'll keep him there for now. Above average again. This is this shows how much hit and miss the draft is, and how it's not an exact science. Listen to the quarterbacks. I'm going to say in this above-average category, who are better than some of the quarterbacks above them. Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield, Justin Herbert, Mitchell Trubisky, Patty Mahomes, Dwayne Haskins, Jared Goff. Lamar and Mahomes are the two best quarterbacks on this list, but when they were coming out of college, they weren't seen as elite prospects. They were seen as above-average. Lamar even teetered on average Mahomes at least teetered on borderline elite. Lamar literally teetered on average to above average. He's almost fell out of the first round. And now he's the second ever unanimous MVP in NFL history. So, see, the draft is not perfect. And Trubisky is in there. And Dwayne Haskins is in there. Like, it's not an exact science. Average, Jordan Love, who I you could move up to above average if you wanted to. Jalen Hurts, Sam Ellinger, Drew Locke, Dak Prescott, and Daniel Jones. So those are your average quarterbacks, which is, look at that. All of those quarterbacks on there are second round or later or late first round picks. Minus sixth overall pick, Daniel Jones. Now I'm all for the, you get, you see your guy, get your guy. Don't let someone else take him. That's what the Giants did. But there's not a lot of teams that were in on Daniel Jones coming out of the draft. And then the below average is pretty much just every quarterback that's currently in college, minus some in the NFL. Jake Fromm, Jacob Eason, Brian Lewerke, Shea Patterson, Kelly Bryant, Felipe Franks, Jake Bentley, Nate Stanley, Mason Fine, Tate Martell, Steven Montez, James Blackman, Adrian Martinez, Mackenzie Milton, Derek King, KJ Costello, Dylan McCaffrey, Kellen Mond, and Ian Book. So that is your tier list. Uh, Carson Wentz and... Like you could you could jumble Carson Wentz and Jordan Love up or down, whatever you want to do with those. But that's what I remember as being the what these quarterbacks were ranked when they were coming out of college and when they were going to the NFL. So that's what I've got for you on this tier list. I think this is a good tier list when where you're basing it on of who what okay again i need to stress this because i don't want people to think this is how i'm viewing them now obviously patrick Mahomes is not on the same level as trubisky and obviously he's not worse than rosen and darnold but this is where people viewed them the nation wide audience this is a little bit of how i viewed it as well as but most of it is of how people on the outside viewed it the people that you normal people listen to because i know i know a lot of people don't listen to the logan blackman show for their draft knowledge i mean some of them do, because I literally typed up a 9,000-word draft profile of why teams would draft said players, but this is what my tier list is, and I think this is pretty spot on, if my memory serves me right, on each quarterback. And I don't really think I'm looking to change them anytime soon, but we're almost at an hour right now. We are 59 minutes and about 59.20 into the show so we're about ready to wrap things up. Let's go over some scores quick, what to watch for in the world of football and other sports as well. The NFL this weekend, uh, the Bengals and Colts are playing this weekend, even though the Colts uh, shut down their facilities because of COVID tests. Uh, but the Colts will play. They're playing the Bengals on Sunday. 
Uh, Texans-Titans in a divisional matchup there. Tennessee is a 3.5-point favorite. Colts are 7.5 over the Bengals. Falcons and Vikings. Minnesota's a 4-point favorite there. Broncos-Patriots. New England's a 9-point favorite there. Uh, Washington football team versus the New York Giants. New York is a 2.5-point favorite. Looking to get their first one of the season. Ravens versus Eagles. Ravens are a 7.5 favorite. Steelers-Browns. Pittsburgh's a 3.5-point favorite. Bears-Panthers. Panthers are a 1.5 Minus 1.5 favorite. Uh, Lions and Jags. Detroit's a three-point favorite. Jets-Dolphins. Miami's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Green Bay and Tampa. Green Bay's a one-point favorite there. San Fran and the C.J. Beathard-led 49ers. Let's and go. Uh, but the L.A. Rams are a three-point favorite. Then Monday afternoon football. Uh, Bills-Chiefs. Chiefs are five-point favorite. And the Cardinals-Cowboys. cowboys cardinals are a one and a half point favorite with Dwayne Hat or Dwayne Hassett, Andy Dalton leading out the Dallas Cowboys. So we got some quarterback um, substitution. We got uh, Andy Dalton for the Cowboys, CJ Beathard for the Niners that we've been talked about here in Tua for the Dolphins. Obviously, I don't think that will happen, but you never know. Uh, then we've obviously got the Washington football team who start for them, whether it's Alex Smith or Kyle Allen. I don't know. I don't know how severe Kyle Allen's injury was, but yeah. Games I'm looking forward to this weekend, or I will be tuning into the uh, Brown Steelers, Ravens, Eagles are two games that I'll be paying attention to in the early set of games. The afternoon games, I'll be paying attention to the Packers, Bucks. Obviously, Sunday night football should be fun watching CJ Beathard play on Sunday night. And then Monday afternoon football, Bills, Chiefs should be fun. Moving on to college football, uh, let's just go all FBS because there's not a lot of teams playing right now. So load all FBS. There we go. Uh, tonight we got SMU at Tulane and then we got BYU at Houston. Both the away teams should come away victors. There's Zach Wilson, one of the top quarterback prospects of this draft. He's completed 81% of his passes and we've talked about him being like Jim McMahon 2.0. That's what he looks like and he goes to BYU. Bears fans, look out for Zach Wilson. And we obviously had Coastal Carolina beating Louisiana Lafayette yesterday or Wednesday and Arkansas State beating Georgia State last night. Uh, very high scoring game, 59-52 Triple pointer for that one. Uh, Saturday, Clemson at Georgia Tech. We got Pitt at Miami. Uh, those two games are projected blowouts in those ones. I think you could guess which teams are projected winners there. Auburn, South Carolina. Kentucky, Tennessee. Navy, East Carolina. Texas State, South Alabama. USF, Central Florida, or South Florida, and Temple. Liberty and Syracuse. Kansas, West Virginia. Army, University of Texas, San Antonio. Western Kentucky, UAB. Louisville, Notre Dame. Uh, Duke, NC State, UCF, Memphis, Ole Miss, Arkansas. Now, I told my best friend Brian that I would do Arkansas segment because I didn't really give them credit last week, but we'll talk about them today. Uh, Mississippi, Ole Miss is a two-point favorite. Uh, Arkansas obviously coming up a very close upset bid against Auburn. Auburn won in controversial fashion. Ole Miss's offense has looked good to start the season. How will Arkansas's defense hold up against Ole Miss? Now, Arkansas already beat Mississippi State. They played three top 25 teams and have played them decently close for Arkansas standards. Uh, they almost beat Georgia. They only lost by 27. I can see that as an absolute win for Arkansas. Beat Mississippi State and then almost beat Auburn again in controversial fashion. So the Hogs could really be 
two and one inside the top 25, and their schedule don't get any easier. They get this nice little break against top 25 teams against Ole Miss, then Texas A&M, Tennessee, Florida, LSU, then Missouri, who beat LSU and Alabama to close off the season. Which is weird not seeing Arkansas LSU last game of the year, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, I think, ooh, that, that will be close. See how Arkansas's defense does against Mississippi's offense. Because Mississippi doesn't have a great defense, but their offense is very fast. And once Lane Kiffin gets all his guys in there, I think they will actually be a pretty solid team. Eastern Kentucky is at Troy. Troy's a 28-point favorite. Good Lord. Texas A&M is at Mississippi State. UMass is at Georgia Southern. Virginia at Wake Forest. North Texas at Middle Tennessee. Marshall at Louisiana Tech. UNC versus Florida State. One of them is a big favorite. And if I told you this 10 years ago, maybe five years ago, you wouldn't have guessed which one was. You would have easily guessed Florida State is the favorite. I'm not saying you're. You're probably wrong with that now, though. Uh, Georgia Alabama should be a very fun game. Boston College Virginia Tech, and then we had a quite a few games postponed, which is very sad. Games I will be tuning into. I'll tune. In, I'll probably tune into BYU Houston tonight. That'll be fun just to see Zach Wilson play with all the hype surrounding him and his draft stock. Uh, Pitt-Miami could be a fun game to watch. I was a very big Pittsburgh fan growing up, watching Bill Stoll, LaShawn McCoy, Deion Lewis. That was a fun team. Bill Stoll is one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time, and I don't know why because he wasn't that good, but I loved watching Pittsburgh football. And with their rivalry against West Virginia, where they played Cincinnati in the snow, like those games were awesome when the Big East was still a thing, for football anyways. Other games, I might tune into Texas State, South Alabama, just because I have a nice little connection with Texas State. Uh, not going to go too much more in-depth on that one. Um, what other games do I want to I will tune into Ole Miss, Arkansas. That could be a fun game on Saturday, to be honest. Both teams are 1-2, and two, but that could actually be fun. As we said, Arkansas has come close to beating a top 25 team. They played three top 25 teams to start the year. Beat one of them. Uh, Ole Miss took Alabama to the Brinks last time they played them. So this could be fun. That game will actually be a fun game to watch. Um, other games here, UNC and Florida State, I'll probably tune into that one a little bit because I really enjoy Sam Howell. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in college football. He'll be a high draft pick, one would suspect, when he gets ready to go to the NFL, which is next year. Um, and see if Florida State can rectify themselves this year. And then Georgia-Alabama will obviously be a fantastic game. Mac Jones, one of the Heisman favorites, one of the top two. He, I did Heisman rankings for Cole and Company yesterday. Did Heisman rankings and MVP rankings. And Mac Jones came in as my number two Heisman favorite. For those of you who don't know, let's, uh, since, I mean, we're already over for time, so it doesn't matter. It's like, if you're late, you're late. It's whatever. So... Like what's what's the point of being five minutes late when you're ar- when you're already a minute late? Like you're, you're you're late regardless. Okay, so yeah, so my top five Heisman candidates starting at number five: Najee Harris, and then Travis Etienne, Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, and then Trevor Lawrence are my top five Heisman candidates. Just quickly running through these: uh, every five point two touches Najee Harris has, he scores. He's had fifty two rushing touchdowns. He leads the nation in rushing touchdowns with ten, uh, and he was integral. And beating Ole Miss last week. Same with Mac Jones. We'll talk about him. Travis Etienne um, has never been that great of a receiving back until this year, but he's done such a good job molding his game, coming back, and he's still. And I've taught, I've loved Travis Etienne for a few years now. I'd always rated him as the best in college football. He has molded his game even more to be the best in college football. 
Uh, more rushing yards, more receiving yards. He has a combined total of over, well over 600 total yards of offense. Wait, or not well over. Wait, yeah, well over. And he's one of the most complete back, if not the most complete back in college football. Then Kyle Trask, uh, second in the nation passing touchdowns. He only has one interception as well. Mac Jones leads the nation in passer rating. Has eight touchdowns, one pick. He almost completes 80% of his passes. And when they need him to throw the ball, he does it. You saw that against Ole Miss. He completed incomplete threw four incomplete passes with four touchdowns. And then Trevor Lawrence, uh, he's the only QB in the nation with 10-plus touchdowns and no picks, much like Aaron Rodgers in the NFL. Uh, he's completed 72% of his passes, and he has the most attempts in the top five of completion percentage in college football. So, you, like, if you have a lower number of attempts, your completion percentage is likely to be higher. But he is in the top five in attempts – or top, he has the most attempts in the top five completion percentage, and he is the best team in the nation. Now, Justin Fields will challenge him whenever he comes back or whenever the Big Ten comes back next week. But So, talk about him. Some honorable mentions. Zach Wilson from BYU, as we said, 80% completion percentage. He's fourth in the nation passing yards, third in passer rating. Uh, Sam Ellinger could get talked about a little bit. I mean, not a ton, but fifth in the nation in passing yards. Leads the nation in passing touchdowns. Now, his completion percentage is pretty bad for someone who's trying to compete for the Heisman. 61.1 is not great for a Heisman Trophy candidate. Uh, Brees Hall, just because we live in Iowa, got to talk about him. Second in the nation in rushing yards. Second in the nation in rushing touchdowns. Second in the nation in attempts. And the reason he's not on there is because he's got 41 more attempts than Najee Harris. And 37 more attempts than Travis Etienne. He has 93 rush attempts this year. Which... It's impressive that he can, but when you like the completion percentage with the number of attempts you have, the more likely you are to go down. And completion percentage, the more rush attempts you have, the higher your yards are going to be. I mean, that just makes sense. Like, the more attempts you have, the higher your yards are going to be. So, 93 attempts, but he's got to be mentioned. Then, Jalen Waddle just throwing another position there. One of the most electrifying players, if not the most electrifying player in college football, regardless of position. I love watching Jalen Waddle play. For the MVP for the NFL, I put Aaron Donald, seven and a half sacks, which is first in the NFL. He's on pace for 24 sacks, which would break the all-time sack record in the season, which is 22 and a half by Michael Strahan. Yeah, he's a beast. He's the best defensive player in the NFL. He's the best overall player in the NFL. Uh, awesome player. Then Patrick Mahomes. Don't need to talk much about Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen is third. Now, I'm not saying Josh Allen's better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes, but if I'm ranking the MVP candidates right now I'm putting Josh Allen above him even though he did not have a great week against the Titans but Mahomes didn't have a great week against the Raiders so like we could go back and forth on that all the time Josh is second league in passing yards second league in yards per game 14 touchdowns three picks third in QBR fourth in pass rating has completed 69 percent of his passes which is beautiful percentage like perfect that's basically a perfect percentage uh, then two is Aaron Rodgers 13 touchdowns no picks he's the only quarterback to have a touchdown or only player to have a passing touchdown and no picks. Like, the next closest person with that is Jarvis Landry with one, with no picks. Like, if you've thrown a touchdown and thrown a pick, you're off the list. He's thrown 13 touchdowns, no picks. First in QBR, second in passer rating, 70% completion percentage. He's awesome. Then, obviously, Russell Wilson first, undefeated, third in passing yards, first touchdowns, first pass rating, 72.8% completion percentage. He should win the MVP this year and he's so cold with it too for being how cringy he is he's so cold like if you've seen the clip of him on Sunday Night Football he's like they already know what's going to happen proceeding to lead the Seahawks down for the game-winning drive 
dude's clutch. And then honorable mentions, Alvin Kamara, uh, 281 rushing yards, 395 receiving yards, his first running backs. And if he keeps that pace up, he will shatter the season record for receiving yards for running back with the record. I don't remember what the record is, but his, he's on pace for 1,264 yards receiving, which would be an NFL record. And he has zero turnovers this season. No fumbles to his name. And yeah, that is my list there. So yeah, I just thought that'd be fun to go through that real quick since we're already over time. I mean, we don't really have a timetable for this, but you know, whatever. And then some games also around the world of sports. New Manchester United plays Newcastle United tomorrow at 2. Sporty Kids City plays the Chicago Fire tomorrow at 2.30. We got baseball tonight. Tampa Bay versus the Houston Astros. Tampa Bay can end it up 3-2 in the series. Astros can tie it if they win. That's at 5.07 on TBS. And then 8.08 tonight, the Braves, the team everybody's cheering for, I'm cheering for the Braves, are ready to end the series against the Dodgers. They're up 3-1. The Braves are the team I want to win the World Series. I would be cool with the Tampa Bay Rays winning it, but... I just want the Braves. I love a lot of the players the Braves had. Whether you're Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Alsby, Danby Swanson, Freddie Freeman. Like, I just love a lot of the players the Braves have. And then, obviously, we're not going to forget to talk about this. One of the biggest boxing matches since Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. Lomachenko versus Tiafimu Lopez. This fight is going to be ridiculous. If you know... Like, okay, just listen to me about this. Lomachenko, if he keeps up this pace. Now, there's a lot of history in boxing. It's like saying someone's the GOAT in baseball because there's so much history in baseball. And you got different eras. Like some people say Babe Ruth. Some might even throw in Mike Trout as the greatest baseball players of all time. Like there's completely different eras. For boxing, it's the same thing with how historic it is in the fabric of America. You're going to get a lot of different opinions on boxing legends. But if Lomachenko keeps up this pace of how he's going. He's 32 years old right now. If he keeps up, he might be talked about as the greatest boxer of all time. He's the best pound-for-pound boxer in the world. He's the defensive fighter that can flip a switch and go offensively like that. It's something that I've never seen before. If you are doing nothing tomorrow night, even if you are, I don't care, tune in to watch Lomachenko versus Lopez. And Tiafimo Lopez is one of the young up-and-comers. He's 23 years old. He's knocked out pretty much everybody he's fought he's so they're both awesome Lomachenko is absolutely insane and Lomachenko is one of my favorite boxers ever my favorite boxer of all time is Manny Pacquiao Loma's up there with me and then Terrence Crawford as well like Mick Conlon Michael Conlon who should be getting a title fight coming up soon fingers crossed but listen to this on ESPN ringside which is a good tweet you should follow them amateur record Lomachenko's 396 and 1. He has fought almost 400 amateur fights. Tiafimo Lopez is 150 and 20. Tiafimo in professional is undefeated, 14 and 0. Lomachenko has lost once, and it was his second ever professional fight, which dude he fought was overweight, and it was in a championship bout. Second ever fight in professional, and he's fighting for a belt. It's ridiculous. Lomachenko is insane. So I would recommend you must, must watch Lomachenko versus Tiafimo Lopez. Like, the dude's awesome. Both of them are awesome. I'm obviously, I'm a Lomachenko fan. Vasil Lomachenko is one of my favorite boxers ever. So I will be cheering for him. I will be in his corner 
tomorrow night. But if you want to watch and cheer for Tiafimo Lopez, go on right ahead. Current fight odds. Uh, Loma by decision is even. By decision for Tiafimo is 8-1. to one. Loma by knockout is 2-1. to one. And Tiafimo by knockout is 5-1. to one. Draw is at 22-1 to one odds. So it's going to be awesome. It is going to be a fantastic fight. So if you are, just watch it. Just abs, you've got to watch this fight. You gotta watch this once. You got, you, yeah. man. Even if you don't like boxing, if you, I'm not a huge UFC person, I don't pretend like I'm a UFC person. I've never really been that in to the UFC. I like the meme guys, like people that I can make memes about, like Tyrone Woodley, who I call Brian Woodley, and uh, Kamaru Usman, who I call the Pride of Panics. He spent a year at William Penn. Those are my favorite guys. Boxing. I've loved boxing for a long time, and I would very much recommend, because I know UFC is kind of taking over boxing and, like, the must-watch fighting sport, but if you're not doing anything, watch that fight. Watch it. And with that being said, that's all I've got for you today. This show went a little longer than anticipated, but that's usually how tier list days go and how Friday fun days go. So with that being said, let's end it here. And I hope you watch Vasil Lomachenko versus Tiafimo Lopez because it's going to be awesome. Go watch some college football as well. Bama, Georgia is on Saturday night as well as the fight. So you can have both those on at the exact same time and get two great shows for the price of one. And yeah, have a good weekend. Have a good rest of your Friday. Have a good weekend. And I will see you all later. Peace.